Well, good morning, and go Illini. It's okay if you check your phone. God already knows anyway, right? <laughs> oh. Well, I am so happy to be here on this beautiful spring morning. And I'm actually just going to take a moment and pray right off the bat. Because I have a somewhat challenging message to deliver. And I don't have the confidence that um, I can do it. So, Father... I know apart from you, we can do nothing. But it's not always easy to walk in that reality. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. So faithful. You lead and guide us into truth. You transform our lives. You open the word. But most of all, you continue to unveil our love, loving Savior, and all that he has done for us and longs to do. So come, teach us today, we pray. Have your way in his name. Amen. So have you ever been asking God a question, like over and over, and not really been satisfied with the answer, and then it dawns on you, oh, maybe I'm asking the wrong question. In our series, Jesus Heals, Breakthrough of Healing, uh, a Breakthrough in a Broken World, our team has been asking a question, how can we experience more breakthrough of healing in this broken world? And so you have to understand, as a preaching team, we plan our message series several months in advance, and then we wait on the Holy Spirit. He kind of fleshes out all the details, and then... We prep to preach from our assigned scriptures, and we study, we pray, we share as a team. We're open to change, but really, we're also very committed to a previously planned and prayed for, uh, revealed plan for preaching. Okay, so great. I'm scheduled to preach today, March 20th. I have my assigned topic. I have my assigned scripture text. I'm in the process of preparation and prayer. And simultaneously, this is like weeks ago, um, I got an email from a young adult in our church community, and she said, hey, Di, would you be willing to read my manuscript? She's written a book, and she knows I've done some navigating of the publishing world, and she just wanted some feedback. So I'm like, yeah, sure, send it my way. So she does, and I set aside some time, you know, in the following uh, days, weeks, to dive in. Okay, now I, I need to tell you something about myself if you don't already know this. I've had, I've got to say privileged, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, I have read thousands of books, okay? Like, I, I actually don't have a hobby. I'm sometimes embarrassed, like I'm not a gardener or a cook, you know, or some painter or anything like that, I'm a reader. Okay, so I thought about taking you on a virtual tour of my home office where the uh, books are literally lined floor to ceiling. Uh, all the walls are lined with books, but that wouldn't even give you a glimpse of how many books that I have, at least 
partially read. <laughs> okay, there's boxes in the attic full of books. There's my desk upstairs. It's piled high with books. There's shelves around the house, books jammed everywhere. And then, of course, there's my Kindle, right? I mean, Happy, my husband, often has said, Di, I'm going to have to build an addition under our house just to accommodate your books. <laughs> Point, I've read a lot of books. I'm not easily impressed, and I'm actually a pretty tough critic. Okay, so I begin to read this unpublished manuscript, and I'm not impressed. I am literally undone. Now, it is a book about healing, and I've read a lot of books on healing, but this book is so much more and from a very unique perspective. Well, what do I mean? The author of this book is Elizabeth Flores Twick. She's an active member of the Urbana campus of the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois. She came to the University of Illinois to get her graduate degree in social work, which she completed. And she serves here faithfully. She's often the online host at 11 o'clock. But hey, those of you online, we grabbed her to be in the service with us today so she could uh, hear what I have to say about her book, okay? But uh, you can drop a hello to her in the chat if you want to. Okay, so the title of her book is Undefiled Access, Charismatic Christianity for the Disability Community. That's a mouthful, right? Well, she isn't exceptionally well-qualified to write this. Why? You see, since birth and the deprivation of oxygen, Elizabeth has never been able to walk, and she does all of life from a motorized wheelchair. She is disabled. She is a member of the disability community. And at the same time, she is a member of the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois, which is a charismatic community. For those of you who aren't familiar with that word, that means we embrace the charisma of the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit-filled church that believes in all the gifts of the Spirit, including healing. Hence the title of her book, Charismatic Christianity for the Disability Community. Now, she is brilliant. She is. She's a very gifted writer and an astute and amazing theologian. And I've read a lot of theologians who have all kinds of letters after their names from seminaries. She is an incredible theologian. She's a spirit-filled, beloved daughter of God who believes in and passionately loves Jesus the healer trusts him for her healing, but as of right now, is not physically healed. There's been no breakthrough of healing. She has the incredible joy of being a quadruplet. So she entered this world on April 27, 1994, right along with three other sisters. <laughs> and in her almost 28 years of life, she has never known a day of wholeness in her body. She doesn't have that muscle-brain connection that allows people to walk and coordinate their free, unrestricted movements. And this condition actually affects her entire body, hence the motorized wheelchair. Now, I'm going to be quoting from her book uh, off and on today with her permission, and she writes this. In the world's eyes, I have nothing. I live some people's worst-case scenario. 
I have no physical stamina or mobility, no regular job, no independence. I'm reliant upon the daily help of others for my most basic needs. I must plan all of life, including mundane tasks of getting out of bed, dressing, eating, months in advance. I run my life according to a set schedule with no variation. And I have a visible disability that I cannot hide. I cannot wake up and decide, I don't want people to see my difference that day. No, I am a continual disability disclosure. And Elizabeth has spent her entire life as part of a charismatic or spirit-filled community that believes in healing. Actually, at a very young age, thanks to wonderful godly parents, and we actually had the privilege of having her mother with us in the first service, but we also have the privilege this service of having Elizabeth with us, and she's right over here. <laughs> But at a very young age, thanks to her godly parents, she learned a very, very high value for the Holy Spirit, for his gifts, which, of course, include healing in any possible circumstance. And so her faith is inseparable from the values of a spirit-filled church. She writes, while I am the daughter of the charismatic church, my experiences in the church have not been wholly positive and sometimes quite painful. Disability and the celebration of God's supernatural power integrate seamlessly inside my soul and spirit, she says, but it can be rather jarring on the other side of my skin. In another section, she describes the disabled in the charismatic church as people treated as pending miracles, prayer projects for ministers of healing who practice their faith on those in need of a miracle. A lot of this we know is unintentional. That doesn't make it right. In her words, there is a tendency for charismatic believers to reduce people like me to only a disfigured, broken body and we can easily become second-class citizens in the Father's kingdom, or at worst, invisible non-persons with no dignity considered worthy of protection. You want to know what's broken in this world? What's broken is our treatment of those in the disability community. That's what's broken. It's broken right here in this church. She goes on, the truth is, we in the disability community, we, like the rest of us, right, were made for the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and partner with him to make Jesus' name famous on the earth. I may never be healed in this life, but that does not mean I cannot participate as a daughter in all that the Father is doing. I want people with disabilities to be equipped to share the gospel, pray for healing, prophesy, give words of knowledge, and speak and interpret the gift of tongues. I am an unapologetic, spirit-filled Christian who has a disability, and I invite you to discover with me how charismatic Christian faith connects to the disability community. That's right. 
Elizabeth Boyce is a member of the disability community and a member of our spirit-filled charismatic community. It's a, in my opinion, a powerful prophetic challenge to all of us. I pray you can hear the heart of Jesus in this. Now, she has so many valuable lessons. There's no way I can begin to even dive into most of them. She has 12 chapters in this brilliantly written book. And these are powerful lessons, humbling. They're profound. <laughs> and it's very, very well written. And I want us to learn these from the very simple ones. She says, you know, Di, just take, for example, when the worship leader says, everyone stand. She said, it would be great if they could say, if you are able. Now, that's somewhat simple. There's many other more complex ones that she addresses. I intend to pursue these lessons. I want to become a champion for the disability community. I want to become a champion. I want us to be welcome, inclusive, honoring, respectful, all the while honoring Jesus as our healer, unashamedly. We're going to need the Holy Spirit to teach us how to do that, for sure. So as I read in preparation for this message, I realized I'd been asking God the wrong question. Instead of, like, how can we experience more breakthrough in healing, not wrong per se, but for this message, I began asking, how does Elizabeth navigate the tension in her relationship with a God whom she fiercely loves deeply loves her and clearly demonstrates it is his desire to heal, but who has apparently not been physically healed as of now. How does she deal with the ever-present pain of living in the dissonance of not being physically healed in a healing community and freely praying for others to be healed? And Some of you can relate to that. You know, she is a total kingdom of God believer. She understands, as we've been learning about that tension of the already, the not yet, the cosmic warfare. But her breakthrough of physical healing has not come. You know, over my many years as a pastor, I've had some pretty close friends, part of this church, who had chronic, unhealed conditions. And because just of the, the pain, relationally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of it, of being here in a healing community, they left. And, and I don't blame them, actually. And along with them, a lot of times have gone family members who have endured like the premature death of someone in their family, perhaps a child, or that are just angry, like are proclaiming God's good, God's a healer, and all the while they live again with that tension, that dissonance. How does Elizabeth handle this dissonance and still love God and love others? Why doesn't she just settle into a more comfortable church family, avoid all us crazy charismatics and the mistakes we make? towards the disabled community. Why doesn't she even abandon the hope of ever being healed? It's hard to live in a tension of a hope that isn't realized. 
her response? She says, I don't always have answers to all the questions, right? She doesn't always have answers. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does give her answers, but not always. But what has been better than answers for Elizabeth? She doesn't always have answers, but she always has access. Now listen to me. Access. Undefiled access. No barriers to the living God. Sometimes answers always access to the incredible presence of a God who loves her unconditionally, beautifully, deeply. Clear path, no barriers. See, as a spirit-filled believer, Elizabeth understands so beautifully what many people don't understand or take for granted. She has full, undefiled access to God himself. It's not obstructed by some twisted theology of sinfulness or unworthiness. No, she knows thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus, his shed blood, he has made her and whoever wants to believe in the incredible finished work of Jesus, he has made her totally undefiled, holy, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, nothing obstructing the sweet ongoing, continual presence of God himself. She has immediate access to heaven on earth right now, to that Holy Spirit who lives inside us that we often ignore or we grieve or we quench. No, she has access to the Holy Spirit of God, his care, his love, his strength, his wisdom, his righteousness, his holiness. Answers, sometimes. Something far better, access. Let me just take an aside here. I want to talk about access. I want to talk about physical access. You see, as a disabled person confined to a wheelchair... Access is everything in the physical world. And, you know, we, we need to hear this because most of us just take it for granted, okay? Access means no barriers. There's ramps instead of tons of stairs. There's wide open doors, even with a button that we can push to open. There's restrooms with stalls large enough, counters lower enough. There's all kinds of apartments and, and school buildings and a bus system that allows people, no matter what the disability, to have access. She said, you know, Di, I can just whiz out on my motorized wheelchair and I hop on the bus and I get to go to Walmart. You know, I can't drive a car, but we have a bus system. I hop on and boom, I'm like everybody else. I can buy whatever I need. Oh, we take it for granted. I take it for granted. I mean, did you think walking through the door today, oh, praise God, I have access. No, most of us don't. 
I have stairs to my home. Most of you do too. Elizabeth said she can count on one hand the number of homes that have had free and clear access for her to enter physically. She can count on one hand the number of doors she's been able to open. In her hometown of Kansas City, the access to public transportation is almost non-existent. And we take access for granted, whether we're at a restaurant, the store, someone's home, apartment, the church. Can I just say we live in an amazing community, Champaign-Urbana. We are a forerunner of complete accessibility. And when you study the history of what it took for us to have level sidewalks, bus system, architecturally buildings built so that all people could enter with no barrier. It is so humbling. I am so overwhelmed. I'm so proud of the University of Illinois and Champaign-Urbana for being the most accessible city in the nation. Folks, we have something to be really proud of. People are not denied physical access in this community. Thanks again to so many people's efforts and overcoming tons of stigma. It's a fascinating uh, history to read. It's also very sobering. She writes, if you've never waited behind innumerable closed doors or sat in frustration at the bottom of countless unclimbable stairs, it will be challenging to comprehend the magnitude for me or any other disabled person of access. Physical, but more importantly, she goes on, of an open door and straight stairway into God's heart through the blood of Jesus. Oh, church, what if we, first of all, like our community, provided total, complete, undenied physical access to people. That we, we have some work to do there, okay? We're, we're gaining. But this is the prophetic challenge. We can offer our community complete, undefiled spiritual access to the living God. We can be a champion for the finished work of Jesus. We can model with our own lives what it looks like to live without shame and condemnation and guilt and, dare I say, continual sin. People, will we be a community of undefiled spiritual access? I take it for granted. Oh, yeah, Jesus lives in me. Oh, yeah, I'm forgiven 100%. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Lord. Elizabeth has a deeper, richer understanding of the access Jesus has given us than most theologians and most preachers. You know, human sin created that distance between God and us and how that grieved the heart of the Father. Why? Because all the Father ever wanted was intimacy, relationship of those made in his image to do life together, to love, to laugh. And sin created that barrier so painful for our Father 
Ah. But through Jesus' sacrifice, finally, that distance no longer stands. Oh, read the Old Testament. Find out how bloody it is. How many bulls and goats and lambs and doves have to be sacrificed in order to cover the sin? I want you to know the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. That is something to clap about. Why? Because it gives us undefiled access. It makes us holy and pure and righteous because not our work, the work of Jesus. Wow, one of Elizabeth's <laughs> favorite scriptures, my only text for today. Hebrews 10, the whole book of Hebrews, does such a marvelous job of reminding us of what was under the old covenant, what is available now. Under the old covenant, we're only one time a year, one person, after all kinds of blood is shed, parts the curtain and is in the Holy of Holies. And now, under the new covenant, <laughs> everyone is welcome because of the blood of the Lamb. This is what it says, the writer to the Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, verse 19 in chapter 10, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Okay, folks, most holy place is the living presence of the Almighty God. Okay, the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, what can we do? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with a full assurance that faith brings. Our hearts are sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Our bodies washed with pure water. We can hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Wow. I mean, there's so much truth there. And there are so many spiritual barriers that the church historically has put up, not to mention the physical ones, okay? Churches that are non-charismatic or, you know, muffle the work of the Holy Spirit, they don't actively, you know, pursue healing. They don't, you know, embrace the gifts of the Spirit. They don't offer unhindered access either to the reality of the living, breathing Holy Spirit inside offering a totally open heaven right now. Yeah, there's a lot of fear of the Holy Spirit. There's a ton of wrong teaching. There's a lot of twisted theology, you know, about God's sovereignty and the cosmic blueprint that he's sending illness, he's sending trouble. They don't offer access to that intimate walk with him, to that empowerment to pray for others, to give away healing and hope to others. Can I just say the Lord's had mercy on us as a church over in 2010. 
The Holy Spirit breathed on us and gave us a fresh and deep revelation that we're still learning to walk in of the glorious gospel of grace, of unhindered, undefiled access to God that removed our sin and our shame and our unworthiness and our condemnation and empowered us to just have a fresh intimacy and dependence on him. Elizabeth said, it's so difficult to find language sufficient to describe the value I place on constant, eternal access to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Folks, what we have is available for everyone. You know, we're not unique. We're not some special flower. It's available for everyone. She said, I'm completely undone by the beauty of this accessible gospel. It is unlike anything else available across the religious systems of the world. And this access is what has sustained her and brought her a flourishing life of intimacy and strength in the midst of daily pain and immobility and challenge and her quest for healing too. But that's why she stays as part of a spirit-filled community. <laughs> she gets to regularly encounter love, experience transformation, and extend the miraculous. But we always have access, not answers, but undefiled access to the living God. Thanks to the shed blood of our Savior. So in conclusion, I have to have a healing text, right? Because this is a healing message. <laughs> this is a very common text. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's about a woman with the issue of blood. And in this text, for those of you who aren't aware, this woman has to overcome barrier after barrier after barrier. You want to know why? Because she's defiled. She's bleeding. That means she's not allowed out in public as a Jewish woman. She will defile others. Oh, and by the way, she's a woman. She's not allowed out in public either without an escort. And she has spent 12 years trying to get healed, but spent all of her money. She has no money left, spent it on physicians who could not heal her. And yet the crowds are milling around, and she makes a decision, I am going to Jesus, because if I touch the hem of his robe, I know I will be healed. She is going to fight for access. Well, I'd like you to hear Elizabeth's take on this story and how the Holy Spirit has taught her. I asked her to do a very courageous thing and share for us on video. So let's watch. The hardest biblical healing account for me to read is the woman healed from bleeding. This woman's life saliently mirrors my own life. No doctor on earth can heal me. I reached the limits of medicine at 10 years old when the doctor said they had no solution to loosen a muscle group in my legs that prevented walking. If they were to alter those muscles, I would completely lose the strength to stand. My body relies on the stability of the contracted muscles to compensate for the weakness of others to stand. I can identify with the bleeding woman's determination to touch Jesus for healing. 
There is no other option for her, and she is fiercely pursuing the one course left. She fights through a crowd of people, breaks her culture's purity laws, and receives healing. She got what she pursued. <laughs> then she tries to get away without being noticed, but Mr. Pursuit himself had his own plans for her. Many use this healing to tell people with disabilities that they just have to want it more or pursue better to be healed. Such religious jargon comes from people who do not experientially understand what it actually means to seek healing. Only those who have never suffered in their bodies say those types of things. I see the element of pursuit and receipt when I read the story also. That is why it is difficult. I have pursued, yet I am still awaiting the receipt. The value system of my heart, though, is set to a completely different rhythm than exclusively my healing. I do understand the principle of pursuit in the kingdom of God, so I am intentional and specific about what or who, rather, I pursue. For years, I tossed a question around in my head without actually bringing it to Jesus, and one day I decided to ask him, if that woman can receive healing by touching the edge of your clothing, what happens to someone who lays hold of your face? I bet if you stay that close, you'll find out, was the immediate answer in my heart. The Lord and I were communicating here from our relationship, building upon many other conversations. He was not asking me to pursue intimacy with him to be healed. That is not what I heard. When we spend time together, I am not generally thinking about my need for healing. In his response, the Lord was reinforcing that I will obtain what I seek in my pursuit to know him, and that the opportunity for healing is always on the table between our hearts. He was also saying that he will not heal me outside of intimacy with my heart which is actually the opposite order of me pursuing intimacy for healing. It is about him, not me. I should never have expected it to be otherwise, and I am not upset. All I ever wanted was to be close anyway, whether I am healed or not. We must take our questions to the Lord. Although we may not always find a clear answer, we will always find him, and that is enough. It is in those heart-to-heart -heart conversations that unconditional love is enabled to bloom. I have an opportunity to do something beautiful with my response to the difficult circumstances I face. I have the chance to give God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a measure of the love He has shown me back to His own heart. I have the pleasure of loving Him unconditionally. God is so worth that kind of love and he takes much delight in it. Our earthly lives provide an exclusive chance to love God in pain. I do not want the Lord to miss out on that love gift back to his heart. Believing that God heals supernaturally and choosing to trust God's character in that are matters of great personal loyalty. So also is not being angry when I suffer. I cannot be affectionate to Jesus and angry at the same time. This is a choice we all have. Will we love God and believe Him at a cost? 
Or, we, or will we live offended and self-righteous, changing God's story to make it more palatable to our circumstances? Love you all. We must take our questions to the Lord, Elizabeth says. We may not always find answers. We will always find him. And that's where we have that choice. To love him unconditionally. Whether it's pain, unanswered prayer, confusion, whatever condition we put on. We have a choice to trust his intimacy, his love, unconditionally as we wait. We have free, undefiled access, intimate access to a God who loves us passionately. Elizabeth says, one reminder of the scars on Jesus' feet silences all my questions. Then the only thing left to do is join in with the rest of heaven's song and sing, he is worthy. Let's join with heaven's song. Let's stand if you are able, and worship the Lord.